of America, Washington, D.C., signing on. Welcome to another episode of Sons of Liberty Live on the air. Of course, it is 2100 Eastern Time. And that is 0200 Zulu for all you cool guys out there that know what Zulu time is. We are in here, of course, the virtual bar on the air, the virtual Green Dragon Tavern. Drinks are, you call it. Come in, get lit, get live, get loud, and get down. We are going to be having an absolute blast on the air tonight. And uh, boy, oh boy, do we have a lot to talk about this evening. Uh, some really good things to talk about. Mechmatic right now is running the Partisan Lifesaver course at my place. Uh, I was at the farm today uh, the farm right at the farm today getting some stuff squared away for him and i am really really excited i'm always excited when he's in town um you know when when uh, he makes the drive up from where he is uh in north carolina and, and we just have a a great time but i am back here in the studio because i really wanted to do a sons of liberty live episode tonight uh you could probably hear me smiling from behind the microphone because i'm really really excited to get on the air kicked out two podcasts did a couple of solo ones had a heck of a lot of fun doing that had a lot of thoughts things that have been kind of building up because what what you don't know and uh, I had had a couple of uh, people reach out who are uh, friends of mine and, you know, listen to the podcast, and really enjoy it. And I'm, I'm always honored by that. Always honored by that. Always honored by by the uh, audience interaction and the, just, uh, this, this wonderful community as a whole. I'm, I'm really, really honored by that. Um, but, man, you know, your your solo podcasts are just so much fun. Like we, I've done so many interviews and, and so many outstanding interviews and, um, you know, had, have so much fun doing that because a lot of times with the guests that I have on, it's, it's like having, um, that moment of time off because I get to, to talk to and have a conversation with people I genuinely find interesting. 
and it really, really enjoy engaging with. And, and that's really good for me. But a lot of you out there want to hear some of the solo podcasts. And, uh, I, I told my friend that, uh, who, who said, man, that, that was really, really enjoyed it. You know, this, uh, this past couple and, uh, and, you know, I really appreciate that. And as I've, I've talked about in the past, that uh one of the the uh radio show hosts over the years that i've i've just looked up to i think that he's he's an absolute legend um i think he's he's an american original but i've talked about michael savage and uh you know i don't always agree with savage on everything well you shouldn't always agree with somebody on you know any anything uh that's that's kind of insane but Savage has always had one of those personalities to me that uh, I always just found interesting. It didn't matter necessarily what he was talking about, but I just always found his style very, very interesting, very engaging. Someone who is sharing not just his opinion on stuff, but he's he's sharing an experience, experiences that he's had. And, and it's it's a genuine American original. And uh you know, when when you take all that into account, being a big fan of his and uh, trying to, at least with a solo podcast, trying to share uh, that similar that that similar feeling, that similar uh, mindset, that similar ambiance, uh, whatever it is that you want to call it, having having the ability to uh, build an audience that interacts with you and feels like they're, they are welcomed in and they're a part of something. That's very special for me to get the kind of feedback that I get where people are telling me the same things that, that I think of as, as uh, some of the greats out there. And so I'm, I'm really, really honored by that. Um, and I'm also on that note, I'm very proud to say, that despite the shadow banning, despite the censorship that, that has occurred, it's this community that has made Radio Contra, despite you know all, all of the things that uh, have been going on behind the scenes, this audience has made Radio Contra number two, trending number two on Podbean. That's incredible. If you look for us, if you look for this podcast in the rankings, of news or news commentary you won't find it you will find uh garbage like uh sarah swisher uh, whatever uh, pivot with sarah swisher right is you know liberal and whatever can't they these people can't garner more than than a thousand followers and they have a mountain of money behind them right michael moore michael moore by the way who i uh, looked into today when i was looking at the stats michael moore has 17 followers, a grand total of 17 followers. How much money is being dumped into that? You know, and, and when you look at what we're able to accomplish, trending number two, beating them, beating them. You know, they can censor us. They can, they, they can shadow ban us. They can try and deny this community what it is rightfully earned. They can try and squelch that voice all they want. It's undeniable. It is absolutely undeniable 
Um, and, and I'm very, very proud of that. I'm very proud of this community and, and everything that we've accomplished and everything that we're continuing to accomplish. You know, it, it, when we say freedom fighter, that we're freedom fighters, right? Because that's what we are. When we say that, when you think about the gravity of that, you know, you're, you are a fighter for freedom and that entails a fight and you don't go into a fight knowing that you're going to win. In fact, you go into that fight knowing you're going to get your ass kicked. You know, you, you have to think about it like that. And so you win, you find a way to win and you keep fighting and you keep buckling down and you do those things that make your ancestors proud. You know, that that's, that is what it is all about. And along the way, we can have a hell of a lot of fun doing it. And, and that's, that's really what it's all about. You know, we're having a hell of a lot of fun and we're making a difference. You know, and, and so when I have friends of mine and when I have people who I don't know from from anyone uh, sending me emails, people I've never had in class and, and may never have in class, but they send me emails that are uh, very, very encouraging words, very kind words to have to say and say that um, they they feel like when they listen to this podcast, they're listening to a friend. and. I, I really, I really, really appreciate that uh, beyond words. And so all, all I can say on that note is thank you. Uh, thank you very much. And, you know, we, we're going to continue this fight, you know, and, and, and we're, we're whooping their ass. Um, and we're going to continue doing we ain't gonna stop because when you look at this community when you look at the greatness that is this community i can't think of a more american group of rowdy dudes out there uh and ladies and ladies i know for a fact that we've, we've got many ladies in this audience as well and i'm damn proud of that uh, hey you know it's it's is something to behold it is something to damn sure be proud of uh so Without further ado, you know, last week we we opened up and and it was kind of a, a serious tone and uh, you know it, it it got a little intense when I was I went back and listened to it, you know, because conservatives have to have a litmus test, they have to have one, okay, and and we have to have excoriation when when people are uh, when voices when very notable voices who have done some good work are you know maybe falling short and uh you know who who is the judge and and i'm sure some people can say well who are you to judge hey hey i get it i get it okay but what i want to say is is that you know things like the vaccine in general right it's, it's pretty much universally agreed upon that that was a real bad idea right you don't get to say you know oh hey guys well well the data said but no no, 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 no. In fact, you owe your movement an apology. And, you know, when we take into account the, the fact that uh, the number of injuries, vaccine injuries that, that are now resulting from all this, you know, I lost my dad to this. And so when I hear voices out there who, who are very notable and who are in a position of influence to do so much good for the community, and they're not willing to accept responsibility for what they have caused. You know, hey, that's that gets me fired up. 
and I will always be fired up. And there has to be a litmus test for conservatism where you know you, you have to step back and think for yourself and say, hey, you know, I, I really am questioning the mixed message that I'm getting here. Uh, so, you know, with that said, um, it, you know, it, it, it started off on a little bit of a dark tone last week. And, you know, of course, uh, uh, we dove into the music and stuff, which had a very strong response. Very, very strong response, which I, I uh, was kind of surprised at was kind of surprised at. I didn't think that it would get the uh, the wonderful response that it got. But uh, I am very, very proud of that. Uh, but I wanted to, to open up with a big thank you to this community for just being as incredible as they are, uh, as, as incredible as you guys are, getting things done out there in the real world. And this is how we beat the censors. This is how we beat the shadow banning. It, this is how we beat injustice. When you are so overwhelming, this is something that, that Rush Limbaugh used to say. If you are so overwhelming in your numbers that no matter what they try to do to shut you down, they cannot achieve, then you know that you're winning, but you have to show up. You absolutely have to show up. And you guys are doing that as a community. You know, it is no small thing that we are trending number two right behind Dale Jr., uh, Dale Jr.'s podcast, trending number one, um, you know, and, and we're right behind him. So I know that there's there's going to be at least one guy in the chat room who's familiar with Dale Jr., but uh, uh, personally familiar with him. But I'll I'll save that story for another day. And he's got a lot of stories about that from being on the road in NASCAR. If you come out to the scout course. If you, you were on tap to come out to the scout course at the end of the month, you might just hear some of those stories. Anyhow, let me get on with introducing my co-hosts, my fellow cohort in crime in here, my drunkenness emeritus brothers. First in, or first on tap, rather, I should say. I almost said first in in the stack risky crisky what is up brother not much scout how are you doing tonight i'm good man that's beautiful just popped open thing. another delicious coors hey man i was at the beer den earlier getting groceries mm -hmm. and thirsty mm -hmm. thursdays at the beer den you can't beat it <laughs> it's like a crowd yeah man yeah man yes it's good stuff, dude. So you did a podcast this week too, correct? Um, I've actually got one coming up. I've got a couple coming up, and I'm doing one this weekend. Yeah, you you have one with uh, uh, you've you've got an Afghan vet who is talking about the uh, the giant of Kandahar. Yeah, so. Oh, oh, it's really cool. So my brother, my brother's on active duty and there's this guy um, at the same post that he's assigned to and he was born and raised in Afghanistan. So he's like a, you know, he's fluent in, Af you know, in Afghan, whatever they speak over there. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't even know. So uh, he was he like can't stand where the military's going these days. And he's like trying, he's getting out in a couple of months. And, 
I guess my brother just FaceTimes me. He's like, check this out. And he's telling me, I guess he saw one of these, or listened to this podcast, Blurry Creatures, that I listened to. Eric from Barrel and Hatchet turned me on to it. And they were talking about the Kandahar Giant and some other stuff. And uh, he's like, that's absolutely real. And he's talking about these graves that are next to his, the village he's from. And they're like a hundred and, well, so I did the math wrong. He said they're 40 meters. So it's like 137 feet. <laughs> and I'm like, that's insane. But I mean, if you look from what I understand, like looking back at the Bible, like they compare them humans to like grasshoppers in size. I'm like, so if they were real at some point, like that's nuts. But either way, uh, yeah, I'm having him on the podcast. He's got another guy that can confirm some giant stuff going on in Kandar. And we were actually considering putting together a trip when it kind of cools down over there, if it does, going in through Pakistan and uh, laying eyes on the the graves. Do a little giant recce. <laughs> Dude, that's wild, man. So I get asked about that a lot. Like, you know, in, in my personal life, people find out that, um, you know, spent a lot of time in Kandahar. They're like, is the giant of Kandahar a real thing? I'm like, dude i have no idea like i didn't i didn't even know that that was a thing until um you know came back to the states and uh like when i was growing up i would listen to coast to coast am every once in a while every back when the the late great art bell was on oh, yeah. the air and uh I, every once in a while i would listen to it and I had never heard of this thing, man. I had never heard of this thing. And then, um, you know, lo and behold, you know, years later, I'd go to Kandahar, you know, in, in the army. I'm not really listening to talk radio at that point. So I got other shit on my mind. And, um, you know, when I'm off duty, chasing women, drinking beer, you know, hitting the gym and whatever. And, um, dude, when when I got back into talk radio, it was years later, you know, like, like, uh, go to Kandahar, come back. And then like, you fall back into that garrison life. And, uh, I had this little shortwave radio, which I still have. It's, it's right here on my desk. It's a, uh, it's a Grundig Grundig. It's been the, it's been dead for forever, but I just set it on my, my desk. Cause it has sentimental value to me. Uh, but a Grundig YBP 2000 and I've had this shortwave radio for a long time. And, um, so when, when I got back into listening to talk radio after many years of, of not right, I would carry this thing to do staff duty. And so, you know, you're up all night for folks that don't know when you're doing staff duty in the army, um, you're up for 24 hours, at the NCO of, of the battalion basically. And so I'd be doing staff duty. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd walk out of the office and every time I get a little drowsy, I'd go walk, you know, I'd let the runners just kind of do whatever they want. But when I'd come back in, I would have can, uh, uh, coast to coast AM on. And, uh, they were talking about, it was one episode and I think John B. Wells was doing it. Uh, so this, this would have been like, oh man. So this, this had to have been, it had to have been like. 2012 2013 time frame and the great john b wells who i was very honored to be on on uh caravan to midnight uh, last june with him while i was out in wyoming 
Um, that that was a story unto itself, a real eerie one. Um, you know, the day after my dad died, and bam, you know, or two days. It was two days after my dad died, and uh, I just get this this strange email out of the blue uh, from Caravan to Midnight inviting me on the show, and that was just like. And he opened, that was so strange because he cold opened that show talking about Father's Day and losing his dad on Father's Day. And I did too. And, uh, that it was, it was wild, man. But, um, just like, dude, that that's, that's some divine intervention. But anyway, it was, it was, he, this was back when he was hosting Coast to Coast AM and he did an episode on the giant of Kandahar. And I like, I didn't catch the whole thing. It was so bizarre. Um, listening to this, I'm just like, man, I never, like I've seen uh, up and down highway four, like, you know, Alexander's castle, it's up there and like all the, the cool stuff that's so old in Kandahar city and like all over Kandahar province and it's crazy stuff, but I have never heard of a giant of Kandahar. And so this was all new to me. And when I saw that you were doing a podcast on it, I was like, man, bro, I, I gotta hear this. Like, I got to hear this, man. So I'm looking forward to it, man. Well, I appreciate it. We're um, like in the background. We're definitely looking into like, that kind of sparked something inside me, man. When I heard, I don't mean that in a gay, weird way. <laughs> I I heard the, uh, the giant talk and, you know, then my brother's talking about it. And I'm like, this is so intriguing. And, um, you know, what cooler thing to do than go hunt? a giant or something like that. So uh, I don't even know what that means, but I want to go do that. Hardcore. So we're going to uh, set up maybe gifts and go or something. Try to do do a little uh, mission out there, five or six of us, maybe seven, eight months from now, if we can. Um, and if nothing else, we, I want to do something like that here in the United States too. I've heard a lot of things about the um, Indian burial mounds. and. Oh, yeah. um, you know, oh, yeah. a lot of people go missing around these cave systems and things. So if nothing else, this is a good chance to go, you know, LARP around in the woods, act weird, get it on uh, film, and uh, maybe we'll catch something cool. I mean, dude, you know, Sasquatch, like people people going out looking for Sasquatch. I mean, hey, you know, there's a lot of naysayers out there that are just like, oh, you know, there's, nah, there's no way, it's just stupid, whatever. I mean, man, you're, you're talking about a, a very intelligent life form that doesn't want to be found. I mean, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not saying anything one way or the other. I mean, it, it's easy for, it's easy for people who believe in, you know, Bigfoot or, uh, the giant Kandahar, like it's, it's easy for the media to dismiss those people because they're always going to get the, like anybody that, that like knows how television media works, they always find the most outrageous people and put them on air. Like those are the ones they're always going to put on air. And they're going to find, like, the, the Sasquatch shows, like, hunting for Sasquatch. They're always going to put, like, the craziest, most off-the-wall people out there that doomsday are preppers, you know, inarticulate. Man. Like, doomsday preppers. Yes, yes. They, oh, man, bro, that, that's exactly what I was going to bring up. Because Dave Cobbler, 
that's that's the reason that show ended. So Southern Prepper wanted Dave Cobbler. Um, you know, that's that's why he got out of that because he he was kind of the uh, the driving force of that show of like uh, finding these people and evaluating them and whatever. And um, that's what it turned into. The producers of the show just wanted to find weirdos. And, you know, like the, the, um, the guy that was a convicted felon that was talking about, he was going to do a C-section on his wife and like, you know, and, and he's on camera with, you know, a bunch of guns and like, I mean, you know, it, it, that's that was one such example. Uh, the dude that built the castle in South Carolina, and like, you know, he's he's, it, yeah. I mean, it, it was just it was bizarre land, man. It, it, like they found these people because they know they're a train wreck. It's kind of like you know, like in the South, you get a tornado that comes through and it like it hits a trailer park. They're always gonna find that dude wearing a wife beater, like the rebel flag hat on. You know, he's he's had like seven or eight bush lights already when he's standing out there or better yet, natural light. And he's like, man, I don't know, man. Let me tell you, that thing came through. I saw them clouds, man. That thing came through. It sounded like a train, man. It's sort of picking up things, man. A little thing, man. You know, like they they, want to put those types of people on tv they're not gonna put articulate people on dude that's why i have a chance um they got me yeah. out in a mask saying i want to go to antarctica and i want to go see these giants and i got guns i look like a lunatic these people it might actually <laughs> I, I have a shot <laughs> make sure you wear the jason mask dude <laughs> no you you need you need the master blaster mask that's the one that's the one the master blaster master blaster mask dude that is the one that you need to wear but um no like the thing is is that they they want to be very dismissive of a lot of things that that may be real you know it may very well be real we we don't know um we we don't know they they don't they they there's a lot that they hide from us. I mean, come on. We we did, we just went through two years of the government blatantly lying to us about pretty much everything. And, you know, it, the veil's really been ripped back. So what else are they lying to us about? I mean, you know, I know some of you out there are probably like, yeah, but the flat earth people, you pick on them. Yeah, I do. Because uh, that's just stupid. Um, that, that's just dumb. Like if, if you have a compass, you realize the earth is not flat. Um, it's no, but, but as far as like, there's other, there's other sentient life forms on earth that we're just not being told about for whatever reason, dude, that's totally, that could totally be a thing, you know, just, I mean, you know, uh, uh, Brother Joe, tactical wisdom. You know, you, you just you mentioned in the comments I saw just just a second ago the Nephilim. Yeah, you know, hey, hey, it, it is a thing. It's a thing. Hey, listen though, I got an an episode idea for Risky Krisky. There's the Dog Man of Michigan that people have seen over the last several hundred years. I mean, we 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 got a whole, literally a whole season of episodes for you to do. Right? I um I'm so. all about that Dog Man, dude. I heard there are people, like large groups of people in the 101st Airborne that have seen them out in the range area. So they call it, what is it, the uh, land between the lakes? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I've heard of this. I've heard of this. 
Yes, old Indian legend, and it's apparently, you know, they believe it wholeheartedly. So that and we gotta find the jackalope. <laughs> That's hanging over the bar, dude. <laughs> I'll get I'll get Clay Martin in here and we'll talk about the Wendigo. So, yeah. But you know. uh since you asked me how I'm doing, I wanted to report that I've got this package here I just got from your boy Sean at 241 Tactical. Ooh, got a loot drop. Got a loot drop. I, I like how my receipt says recommended by NC Scout and Alpha Charlie. So, uh, <laughs> man, yes, I'm telling you right now, if you're not buying stuff from 0241 Tactical, ask yourself why you're ruining your life, right? I mean... I got me a pretty nice Marpat digital pack cover here. That is, it's, that's probably the best pack cover I've ever seen, and uh, yeah, some other boy. Marpat gear. You know me; I got to have Marpat everything, because uh, you know we're superior. Uh, you do. You know. You're gonna see here in a couple of weeks just how good Marpat is here, which it is very good. Uh, that is, it is a very, very good camera. Well, I'm going to need some photos before I pack. I'm going to need some photos of what I'm looking at uh, terrain-wise. Oh, shit, I'll send you some tomorrow. No, no, no. Don't, don't give him an advantage. I want him to stick out like a red thumb for the scout week. No, no. I'm not walking into your trap, bro. <laughs> hey, man. I, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you that the most effective camo pattern I have ever seen in my microclimate so you know getting the like the microclimate here is like the foothills of virginia um kind of the the foothills in north carolina but definitely the foothills of virginia um because we're you know I'm, I'm literally right on the border and um it we have a lot of pine we we you know we've we've got a lot of conifers and a lot of cedar and um the the best camo pattern i've ever seen is a finnish camo pattern this guy came to class and he had uh he had bought a uniform a, a finnish military uniform from Verislika, and i don't know what this camo was called but dude he it was wild as hell because he is literally standing in front of me in a stand of white pines and he wasn't more than probably 20 feet away from me. I could see his neck and I could see his head and I knew that he was there. Like I, I knew he wasn't trying to hide. I knew that he was there because we, we were, you know, I was pulling him in and, and we're getting ready to give a block of instruction. But um, it was like, I couldn't see his shirt. I was just like, holy fuck, man. And it the, the crazy thing was is that that camo pattern worked really well under nods too. It you was, know, I hate to give um, them any credit ever, but Cadpat's not bad in that kind of an environment either. Nah, dude, Cadpat is good stuff, man. Cadpat is good stuff. Like uh, the the uh, that that's where Marpat came from. That's where ACU came from. Um, you know, and and ACUs. If you can find some some uh, cheap ACUs, and you get a uh, green writ dye. Patriot man's done this. Oh, I just did some, but I use dark green and it's a little darker than yeah. I want, but it does look good. It, so. it kind of is like cad pat, man. It, yeah. it, it kind of has that same, uh, it's a little bit darker than cad pat because cad pat has more contrast between the layers, yeah. but, um, still works pretty good, man. And you can find ACU for like nothing. 
mean, people just give that shit away because it sucked. Like, it sucked. It was, that was an embarrassment. There was there was no soldier ever that wore ACU and was like, "This is a great uniform." Like, Man, I no. look good. <laughs> no, no, you look like you're walking around in a fucking trash bag. Like, no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, no. Cat Pat works well. That's the Canadian stuff, right? Yeah. Yep. I remember training with the Canadians, and they, when they go to assault an objective, they leave their automatic rifleman as a miniature support by fire behind. He just he drops their their saw gunner drops to the ground like a hundred yards from the structure or the trench or the, you know, group of foxholes or whatever. Um, and they leave them there. And then the, the assaulting element, uh, the three riflemen on the team uh, assault through the objective. And I always thought that was interesting and it worked pretty fucking well. Cause you know, good luck sticking your head up. And then the nice thing about it is like your automatic rifleman is down in the prone on his bipods, just ready to go to back you up in case anything happens. Pretty, pretty nice. Hell yeah. I thought that was an interesting tactic. Yeah. Nah, it is, man. Definitely is. So let me uh, work my way down the list of introductions before we get too deep talking about the scout course. Cause man, I am, um, I, I just commented in the comments. I have 9,000 rounds of blanks for the scout in the recce course that is coming. I up. probably should have ordered more and, blanks uh, than for <clears throat> my platform. Oh, well. Oh, 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 you're, you're bringing some blanks. Yeah, because uh, I'm bringing, uh, in order to uh, comply with our mutual friend's training needs, I'm going to work ah. with the AK on this one. So, Ooh, I might have. I'm, let me look in my stuff. I might, I either have extra AK blanks or I think I might have actually left them scout with you last time I was down there. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. I had like an extra 250. I just left them down there for the, for the next class. I mean, I got some. I, I just don't, I don't know that I have a, I have. It sounds like you do, we're gonna have a pretty big firefight, and I didn't bring enough for a pretty big firefight. So, all right. Yeah, it's, it's what I get for reading your course description and ordering what you put in your course description. <laughs> well, yeah, you're no, trying we, to make me keep, uh, run out of ammo. No, we we keep the the round count limited for the first sections of the course, but uh, just, just so you're not blowing through a, a bunch of. Ammo right. for, I just know, want y'all to know there may be a training bayonetting involved. I'm just I'm just throwing <laughs> out there. Well, well, let me tell you the last the last class, um, there there's a dentist who's there, and he brought oh. his Randall Model One Seven, and he simulated a knife kill, and uh, be prepared. And VA Minuteman are both laughing in the comments because I was dumbfounded by this. They were like. They sent up a, a spot report over their inner team comms to, to give me a, a status report of, of what they were doing. Because um, I'm up there on the objective, uh, just waiting to evaluate them as, as they came in. And I was like, wait a minute, what? 
<laughs> and here comes Doc with this look on his face of like fired intensity. And he's like, I snuck up on him and I drew my knife and I told him from behind that I had killed him. Like, <laughs> oh, <fuck>. nice. <laughs> nice, dude. He, I would tell you what, he's something. He is something. I, uh, I absolutely, absolutely love him. Um, absolutely love him because he's he is so deliberate. Like when he when when he's talking, he is very. He has this intensity that is like. I, it, I love it. Oh, Scout, um, is this the guy I met at um, uh, uh, Combat Lifesaving? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Okay. I'm not sure. Maybe. It may be him. Roger. Um, I don't, I honestly, I don't remember. I, I've, I've had a lot of people in the medical profession come through class. So I, I don't know. Uh, it could be him, though. It, it could be. Um, anyway, you you would know who he was because I'm fairly certain you have met him. Yeah, I I, I I'm 99 sure I know I know who we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. He 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 has an intensity to him. Yeah, that is just something to something to admire, man. It's like, wow, dude, this guy. This I do not want to be on the wrong side of this dude. I'm just saying. Yeah, like oof. He's one of those guys, but, uh, man. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, it, now it, you know, folks coming to class, coming to the scout course, the recce course. Um, I, I tell everybody don't buy blanks unless you're running a, you know, a weapon system that is a little more difficult to field blanks for, um, the AK being one of them, the AK, AK blanks used to be cheap. Dude. They, they used to be like five cent around. And um, then all of a sudden they became unobtainium. So, you know, it, it's it, it's kind of tough finding them where you do find them. Um, there's, there's a few companies that make it blanks for the AK, but they're real expensive when you find them. It's uh, Detroit Ammo, I think, makes them. And um, Atlantic Wall Blanks has them as well. They manufacture them or they have a manufacturer that, make, that makes them. But you're talking like 60, 70 cents a round. And... Um, I mean, five, five, six blanks are expensive enough. They're right around 50 cent around. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it, I was talking about that with Clay Martin on that podcast. Like it, it is, it's not cheap for, from the trainer's perspective to put on a course like this and, um, to, to do that. And so you, you have to be putting some money into it. You know, so for anybody out there that, you know, kind of looks at the training calendar and I, very rarely it, it's rare, but I do have these people that are like, I don't know why training costs as much as it is, you know, because every once in a while you get those people and that is how they talk. Um, well, it's it's because I have to spend a lot of money to put on a class. Um, I have to, you know, you do the math, 9000 rounds of blanks. At 50 cent a round, you do the math on that. Tell me how much that costs um, on top of everything else, infrastructure costs and everything else uh, in order to bring you the best, you know, to bring you the best training opportunity out there. You know, and, and that that's, you know, it, it's expensive. OK, so 
anyway, but but it's it's damn sure worth it, and that's why I do it because it is worth doing, and you you need this, you need these training experiences. Uh, so with that said, moving down the list, Patriot. How's it going, brother? It is. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, I was just saying in the comments, um, I'm super excited. I didn't realize this many um, of the regulars are going to be there. So I'm super excited for this class. Um, I can't stay for the scout and the recce. I, I think I can swing where I can at least stay through Sunday night and then leave on Monday um, and take Monday off. So um, that's my plan right now. I'll be down there from um, Thursday to uh, probably leave Monday morning. Um, I was saying in the comments, Scott, as you know, we have some optics from Primary Arms that we were sent um, before SHOT Show that we had to sign NDAs on. I had alluded to it in a previous podcast. I have two Virgin, never before shot PSA, your basic your basic guns, and I, I'm going to have this optic, these two optics mounted on each. Now that I can finally talk about them, um, one of them yeah. is because uh, the, the date has passed. One is the Gen 3 um, 5X Fixed Prism SLX. So it's a fixed prism optic. Um, if you're familiar with the ACOG, that's a 4X. Um, primary Arms had previously made a 3X. This is a Gen 3 5X, so we're going to be able to test that. And then um, I also have the SLX uh, MD25 G2 Micro Red Dot. And um, this is a uh, going to be uh, on, you know, so basically both ends of the spectrum, right? You have a fixed, um, uh, my, my personal gun, I run a three X on. So, and I have not fired either one of these. I figured I'd bring it down. I want to get the students feedback because we will be posting about it and, and taking, you know, your anonymous feedback and, 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 and putting it into uh, when we talk about these optics. So we're going to have those two optics down there. So I'm very excited to have some regulars there, some new people I haven't met. And uh, it's, I'm telling you right now, it's going to be a fun time. Um, you're going to figure out real quick, as I will, um, how important physical fitness is, because I know I've let myself go a little bit. Um, so I know that I will be huffing and puffing with the rescue, cursing myself and, and leaving there swearing that I'm going to eat nothing but, you know, protein and I'm going to run 30 miles a week to, to lose weight. Um because those those fucking hills um yeah but it's gonna be good times so i'm very excited for that and i and also you know i, I want to echo what scout said in the beginning of the podcast with just thanking everyone i mean you know ap was around for for quite some time and then you know i came on basically end of 2018 and just the the outpouring of support um the 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 the, the love you guys have shown us by sharing our articles by viewing them by commenting on them um the interactions on the forum uh which you know we've talked in depth before about how this is our second forum first one was shut down you know the outpouring of support there um on the socials and particularly with radio contra uh it's been amazing to see it's it's a lot of times you know particularly if you're behind the lines like i am you get disheartened because you don't have people around you who necessarily they might agree with you, but they don't, won't do the things you do. Um, and so it's very heartening to see people who take this as seriously as we do and expressing that. And, and you know, I just I, I really appreciate all of the support for this. We got a lot of big things coming. Um, um and it, it, it's we're on the upswing now. And I think with the fact that more people are waking up to how broken this this republic is 
and how every day we see in news articles that no one is coming to save you. You are your own protection. You are your own security, whether that's food, whether that's, you know, uh, personal defense. I, I think we're going to see us grow even more. But it really is all driven by you guys. Because, you know, if we weren't having people read our stuff, you know, I, I personally for me, I find that would be disheartening to me. I, it'd be like, why am I putting this effort in when no one really cares? But it's obvious you guys do care. You care a lot. And so I just want to really say thank you for the support that that we've had. And uh, and just keep your eyes peeled because <laughs> we ain't done by a fucking long shot. No, 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 man. It, yeah, yeah. A hundred percent, brother. hundred percent. Um, we're, yeah, it, it's, but I, you know, I mean, on that note, I mean, why is it that, that a, uh, you know, a, a book, a relatively simple book, um, made it to number one in its first day that it was published, you know, it's already a number one bestseller and it's been there. It's been in the Amazon top 1000, uh, consistently. There, there's been a couple of times that it went to like, um, you know, just above a thousand, but I mean, most of that time it was like in the top 500 and, uh, it's, it's this community, you know, it, it's this community and, and it shows that, um, the desire that's there. I mean, there, there's plenty of other books on the, the quote unquote on the Balfang that are on Amazon. There's plenty of other ones, right? You, you can look up Balfang book and you will find they, there's like, they're all, you know, ham radio books and stuff that, that people have written. Why is it that the gorilla's guide to Balfang radio is selling like, like crazy, which is way beyond man. When I wrote that book, seriously, and, and uh, Patriot man, I'm pretty sure that I told you this uh, when we were talking about it, you know, and I was, uh, because I know for a fact that uh, I told a, a couple other people this in, in our inner circle. I'm like, man, you know, if, if I sell, if I put this up on Amazon and, and if they do publish it, because I kind of had yep. a question whether they would or they wouldn't. But because um, they got discretion, they can say, you know, eh, no, we're not going to we're not going to do this thing. But, um, you know, it it, it uh, putting it up there and I, I was like, man, you know, if it sells couple hundred copies i'll be happy you know that's you where know, i was like, when i wrote my first book so i'm glad that that you're way yeah, out there man. but i have one problem that when i look at my uh, amazon yes i know amazon affiliate thing every month i make more money selling your books than i do mine <laughs> <laughs> well you're welcome brother you are welcome. i mean seriously i sent him a screenshot i'm like why is this happening right now y'all are making that's money funny. On Amazon with his books, and I don't even have an affiliate program. How much money am I losing? <laughs> you know, well, it's well, good money. Hey, I'm just saying, it's it's, it's easy money. You know, yeah, Krisky brother, why do you not have an Amazon affiliate? I haven't even thought about it before. <laughs> I'll go do, do it, brother. Do it. Do it. Oh man, dude, you're you're. I mean, you're a social media uh, creator. I mean, you're you're up there on YouTube. Should totally do it. That and also look into a Vaught link, obviously. Um because a Vaught yeah, link I've is really where we or the uh, Amazon rather. Well yeah, Vaught link is where we've built a lot of the industry relationships that we have. So um yeah, I gotta do more with that. I've got it, but I haven't done anything with it. But I'm gonna tell you right now that uh Battlebox reached out to me and dude, they're cutting me like a check every other day 
and it's uh, it's good coin. So check out BattleBox. Well, maybe we have a request. By the way, by the it's, way, for everyone listening, uh, if you find my my BattleBox link now through the thirteenth, you get thirty percent off your first BattleBox. Use it. There you go. And and the other thing I want to be clear at for people who are listening is that this doesn't cost you anything. So like when you see the ads on our sites. This doesn't, it's not like you're like, oh, if I click on this link, I'm being charged more. It's literally, if you click on the link, we get a small percentage. Like just say they're the, the I don't know what the percentages are. Say one of the advertisers would normally take a profit of 85%, right? Whatever, the 15% is for production, 85% is a profit margin. They might only take 80 and we get five. So it doesn't change the price or anything. So like we have on our, on our webpage, um, like an Amazon affiliate link, or we have a link to Primary Arms or Palmetto State. When you click through that, all that is is that we referred you, and the price is the same, except we get a small chunk of that. And so there were a lot of people, and, and Joe, you kind of said it when you were like, I know Amazon. To be honest, okay, you know, we can scream all we want about Jeff Bezos or Bezos, however the fuck you want to say that douchebag's name. And we can say that this man's evil. But if, if we don't do an affiliate link, okay, how many other people, what impact are we making? Without him even knowing it, us doing these affiliate links, he's funding the revolution and he doesn't even know it. He's oh, yeah. being able to keep sites like 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 tactical wisdom and and content creators like us and risky Chris like they're keeping us afloat right once risky once you get it going which you should if you need help with that let us know but my point being is that you can scream all you want about the evils of Amazon but they are in in, in a way they're funding their opposition and so keep well, that in mind so if your wife wants to, is constantly buying shit on Amazon I would almost you could go to any one of our web pages copy the url and bookmark it and be like oh every time you want to go to amazon click on this link because yeah. it costs you zero and it funds so it what it doesn't we do. matter what you buy right you don't have to buy yeah the item it doesn't matter anything it's you, you literally it, it it because it tags so the, the way that ads work behind the scenes is it, it what it does is it tags your your uh, ip address through that url and you have a tracking cookie Right. So, you know, we all know like cookies, the, the little uh, images and little data bits and everything. That's what it does. And, and it's tracking you. And, and uh, through these these affiliate links, you know, you, you buy something, you're supporting that content creator. And, and I want to say something about that um, really as we're, we're still cycling through introductions in here. Um, you know, it, it's with the Amazon thing. Um, I totally get it. And, and I have a lot of people. So there's two versions of my book. Um, there is the, the book that is on Amazon, right? With camo cover and it's large and large print and everything. Uh, that, you know, everybody either, either loves or loathes. I've heard it all. Uh, but hey, it is what it is, right? You know, it's the print, the print's big. The font was made so that you could read it and, and you know, any kind of light. Right. And then I have the handbook version, which is the smaller version that you can literally use for hip pocket training. You can cover the cover in duct tape, uh, just like Ranger handbook. Right. You know, and, and add a layer of protection to it and, you know, put that thing in a, uh, in a beverage bag out of an MRE and, 
you know, pull it out and utilize it actually in the field. And that is the way that you know, every military field manual, you have the large version that has large print in it. And then you have the small handbook version that is handed out to students in a course when you are going through it. Um, yeah. And I have a lot of people that reach out and say, Hey man, you know, I, I don't, I just don't want to support Amazon. Hey, I get it. Um, you know, I, I'm not here to say anything about that one way or the other, but what I will say is this, um, I'll tell you this, and this is a piece of advice that was given to me. And I want to pass this on to anybody else that might be listening to this podcast. I feel that it's a, a duty to pass this information on to anybody who might be out there thinking about writing a book uh, for whatever, man. Like it could be anything, anything like it. You, everybody listening to this. All right. You have some skill inside of you that you are just a master at. You are a savant at. And you may think that that's like the, you know, ah, nobody would ever care about this, right? Do you know how many people when, you know, I was really unsatisfied, at, you know, my, my job before I started doing this, I was uh, teaching, you know, I was, I was a college lecturer and I was teaching full time and, you know, I was at first I thought I really enjoyed it. And then it started to kind of be like, eh, you know, this isn't as much fun as it was when I first started it. And then by the end, I really hated it. And, um, you know, I was kind of doing the, the, the commo stuff like part time teaching a uh, little class here and there when people would ask for it and like, whatever, man, it, that was, that was to me, that was just like, I'm enjoying doing this as creative outlet. And I really like it and writing the blog and stuff is creative outlet. And, uh, you know, when I pass the idea along to, you know, people in my, my inner circle that I know well, say, Hey, you know, like, I don't know if I can do this and, and make a good living, but I can do this and enjoy it. And, um, I had a lot of people tell me that that was the stupidest fucking thing they ever heard. Who who would pay for a class where you're learning about radio? I had one guy say, I mean, people just get a ham radio license. They do this shit for free. Why are they going to pay you? You know, like, why are they going to pay you to learn? And I'm like, but I'm not teaching them ham radio stuff. And they're like, why? Like, why? Why would you even try that? Nobody's going to sign up for that. That's look, just stick to your job. You, I was literally told this to stick to your job. You got a retirement there. You're paying into the, the the state employees credit union. You got your retirement. You got your 401k. You got your health care plan, right? You got all these all these things. It's like all the normie stuff, right? All the the quote unquote normie stuff. That's how they get you, or that's how the system gets you. And it it takes a, it takes some stones to be a rebel and to step out there, man. But um, I'll tell you, man, the, the, there were, there were a few people around me who, who really said, you know, Hey, Hey, go for it. Um, and, and I took that to heart, but my wife, my wife was the one that said, no, you need to do that. You need to do that. Don't worry about the rest. You know, you'll be taken care of. The Lord's already all, always took care of us. No matter what, it's, it's a plan. You, you have this just ability to, to uh, do things 
and you know we, we've been blessed in so many ways do it you know follow this you really enjoy it and um and i did and look what look what all this turned into and writing a book and so i, I tell you all that just kind of a little personal introspection right i'll tell you all that to tell you this that you you have something in you everybody in there has has something in them that is their zen right it, it's it is what they truly enjoy doing and you should write about that you should figure out how to convey that to the world because i promise you if you can do that and you can do it in a meaningful way you can you can be so much happier right you can be so much happier and and the biggest thing is you can make a positive impact on the world around you and and so i tell you all that to tell you about amazon it, it's you know a very close friend of mine uh angry american chris weatherman had him on a bunch of times you know we, we've uh we we are we are good friends and uh he told me you know when when i was talking about the book and it was well underway and i, I wrote a chapter in um a book that he and alan Kay did called decline and decay and um you know when he said uh you know hey when, when you're done with that book you know who what are you doing to publish this thing and i said man i, I don't know because i don't know any of that stuff and I, I don't know any of these things uh flying into the stuff blind and he said look you know you need to publish through amazon i got some of those reservations too i'm like man probably ah man this is, you know the whole amazon thing i don't know he's like look i'm telling you they have some of the best protections for your intellectual property your marketing is already straightened out and it costs you absolutely nothing out of pocket. So if you sell a hundred copies, awesome. If you sell a thousand copies, even better, but you're gonna, you, it, they market it for you and they're doing all the heavy lifting. Whereas when you sign with a, you know, a, a publisher or a publishing house out there, you know, you're going to be out a serious amount of money. And I talked to some other friends that published books in, in different venues. And they told me the same and um, you know, Hey, it's so people can say what they want, right? People can say what they want. And I'm not saying you're wrong at all. Um, you know, Hey, as far as some of the things that like Amazon, the corporation has done and has, you know, statements and stuff they've said, Hey, bro, I get it. I'm right there with you. But at the same time, um, there's there's some real good advantages and, and there is some good that, that's being done out there too so um you know it, it, i'm telling you i i highly encourage anybody who wants to put their thoughts to paper and get their knowledge out there whatever it is whatever the task is whatever the topic is whatever it is you want to talk about i encourage you to do it because you're going to be one you're going to get it off your chest and that's a feeling of accomplishment right there Right. But it's also the fact that um, you're having a positive impact on the world, you know, and and, it, and, and that is a very, very good way to do it. Um, you know, and, and I mean, I know what it is, what, what it's done for this community and, and this community making that book the number one bestseller and keeping it in Amazon. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. This community will sell the books what? for you. Right. Yeah. We send each other's links around. We recommend them. Uh -huh. yeah, somebody has a question we'll drop a link to the books in there i mean that's what yeah. we do same thing with classes right 
Somebody goes, man, well, I want to learn this, but I'm in the south of the U.S. Hey, head over to brushbeater.org or head over to Von Steuben Training. Yeah. I mean, wh- whatever it is, we, we yeah. wait, that sounded take, bad. Take that care that of the community, bad. man. <laughs> no, not really. I mean, not really. It, it's rising tide, man. The rising tide. Rising tide floats all boats. Right. That's why I tell people, man, you know, hey, go go to some other trainers. Like, go go to some of these other guys. Build up. Man, we got a mutual Wait, friend who needs to, to learn that lesson. Anyway, I digress. Which, which, by the way, by the way, if you guys go to a different trainer and you want to write an AAR or after action report on the training, info at AmericanParson.org, send that shit to us. We'll post it. Hey, I hate to interrupt. There's a manhunt going on in Baltimore right now. And they've got the dude surrounded next to the mall. And everybody saw the cops were distracted. And then somebody robbed a Papa John's while the cops were distracted. That's epic. Oh, my God. Yeah, man, there's like a fucking all-hands-on-deck manhunt right now for a kid running around with an AR-15 shooting Don't forget, they were going to, they were going to, those neo-Nazis were going to attack the grid in Baltimore. So, I actually, yeah. I have a working theory that that this kid, because it's been a week since that came out, and I, you know, uh, you know, we all know Madman. He's our signals intelligence guru. He's got a lot of experience with that, and he he told me what the uh, what the what the oodle of noodle loop is on the uh, tracking (laughs) people down on their. um, I love that on their uh, on their on their uh, internet history. And a week, uh, it's it's been. I mean, th- those numbers would line up, and I, I think I think this kid might have um, might have had a little bit of a breakdown when they wanted to talk to him, and uh, I don't think they're. Um, I think they handled it incorrectly. I don't. Obviously, I don't have any evidence of that, but it wouldn't surprise me if that came out in a couple days. Um. But uh, yeah, th- uh, this this dude's dad was convicted of um, manufacturing and distributing uh, child pornography a couple years ago. So he had a rough oh, life. Oh lord! Yeah, I, f- I feel a little sorry for him, but he just—I guess he just couldn't work it out, you know. That's a rough one. Well, That's I'm telling you one. though, that whole yeah, that yeah, whole arrest situation and the and the they're gonna attack the Baltimore grid. That's an FBI setup, right? When you read it, they use like five informants to catch these two people. And it's because they're setting you up for the next thing. Well, so they could be saying it's five informants because they only got two of the guys. So they're trying to freak out. It's like, uh, like that scene from, um, what's the, uh, what's that movie? Um, the, anyway, they, they say that to make everybody suspicious of each other. Um, to kind of get the movie known as January 6th. No, let me just tell you, in Michigan, they're literally that movie known as real life. In Michigan, there literally were 12 informants of the 16 people. Yeah, yeah, and that's, um, I mean, that's 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 some good police work, Lou, (laughs) (laughs) right? Mighty fine police work, Lou. Like, we investigated ourselves and found that you were guilty. Like, you know, that's just pretty much, it's pretty much where the way that it goes. I mean, I was, uh, the episode earlier today, I was, I was talking about that, uh, from the left wing angle. There's uh, that article from the intercept. And I, I dove into that really more from the, the angle that, 
um, it's, it's validation of what we've been saying for a long time. What I've been saying about, uh, Rosava and the, the, uh, international school that was in Rosava to, to train communist guerrillas, um, which, which is really the birth of Antifa 1.0. Um, well, modern, let's be specific, modern Antifa 1.0, uh, Antifa 2.0 is being born right now and trained in Ukraine. And, um, so these these guys and gals and of course non-binaries as as well are getting that training they're bringing it back to the united states uh and and elsewhere and elsewhere uh the riots in france are another good example there's a lot of french uh volunteers but that story from the intercept of course followed uh that from a left-wing angle it was validation for that um you know a lot of directions that you could take that story. There's a lot to it. There's a lot to digest with it. Uh, you know, it is the intercept and the guy that wrote it is a left-wing apologist. He's left-wing radical apologist. So, um, again, uh, there's a lot of directions you could take that thing, but the, the, the reality is, is that, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of this activity going around. Um, so bottom line from my angle is anybody that's encouraging you to do something retarded and you know what those things are okay you know what those things are if they're encouraging you to do something retarded you probably ought to not do it right that that is a person who is not there to be productive um you know the other the other point that i'll make on that note is that um there has never been an effective movement for social change, um, which I know kind of sounds a little left wing kind of sounding. Get it? I totally get it. But that is that is what conservatives, libertarians, right leaning libertarians, because believe it or not, there are left wing uh, left leaning libertarians as well. Uh, this is an alien concept to a lot of people who who just discovered uh, Atlas shrugged. Um, you know, they're like, wait a minute, there's left wing libertarians. Oh yes. Yes. Look into Benjamin Tucker, uh, look into Benjamin Tucker and you, you'll find some interesting content there. But, um, you know, we kind of think of things through a very different lens than the left finds legitimacy with itself and um they're, they're very comfortable in in the revolutionary spaces um whereas on the right we are counter-revolutionaries and so you know radio contra right that's it, it's you you know and i really need to break this down in, in a podcast of its own because i don't want to spend too much time on this but we're we're counter-revolutionaries um you know it, it's it's important to understand and to recognize that um, these these types of things have to have a political orientation to them and a political representation in them. I mean, you know, a lot of people both on, on the right side and the left side of the aisle reference the IRA quite a bit and actually quite a bit more than what I think is productive. Um, 
the IRA of 1916 of the Easter uprising was highly successful. Uh, the IRA of the troubles of Northern Ireland was nowhere near as successful. And there was a lot of reasons for that. Um, they had, they had a lot of pitfalls that they ran into. They had some successes. Yes, but there was some, some pretty serious setbacks as well. And, um, anybody that's not willing to address those is is just kind of waxing nostalgic over a movement that they don't really understand. But you have to understand that that the IRA itself is a, a leftist revolutionary organization. Um, in its its uh, current incarnation, it, it absolutely is. Of course, you know the, the uh, IRA proper laid down their arms, um, but there, you know, there, there's certainly pockets that are that are still existing out there. But they they never would have got to where they got had Jerry Adams and Sinn Fein, with his his leadership in Sinn Fein, not had the effect that they had. Um, and, and that's just looking at it through a politically neutral lens, but you have to have that political component. And that's something that the right, up until now, has really kind of just assumed would be there. And the left didn't do that. Um, you know, there, there were some attempts at it, the Tea Party, right? You know, I, okay, I get that. Um, but the Tea Party fizzled out. And the reason that it fizzled out is, you know, the, the Republicans are very adept at uh, squashing such things because they, they don't want to challenge their hegemony. And, you know, we, we've seen this yet again with uh, McCarthy now as a speaker. And, uh, you know, I, again, I, I don't want to make this an episode about all that, but just understand that the political component has to be there. And that begins at the local most level. And so if you're not engaged in local politics in your county, you know, your town, if you don't know who the prosecutor is, you know, constitutional types, you know, running around holding up their constitution is if, you know, that uh, makes a difference in the world because um, we all know those types and God bless them. But at the same time, it's like, OK, you know, that's not you're not being productive right now. I get it. And I know I'm going to get some hate mail over that statement. So just fucking save yourself the trouble because I ain't going to read it. I don't care. Nobody's listening to you. Okay. Period. Get out there and get influence in your local politics. The sheriff is not the highest authority in your county. The prosecutor is. Stop with this fantasy crap of, oh, the, oh, the sheriff. No, the prosecutor is the most important political figure in your county. And if you don't know who that is and you're not trying to influence that whatsoever, then you're already behind the power curve. The sheriff is the primary officer of the court. Guess who brings all the cases to the court? The prosecutor. All right. So if you don't know who your district attorney is, most people don't. You can't call them on the phone. You don't know who they are. You didn't contribute to their campaign. They were getting elected. Don't don't come at me telling me, you know, you're you're doing one thing or the other. Okay, period. Period. That's that's another cold dose of reality. Uh, so yeah, the sheriff is important. Don't get me wrong; it's important. All right. The prosecutor is actually the most important. The district attorney is the most important officer that, that you need to be paying attention to. Uh, so, with that said, um, one more introduction. Yeah, hour and nine minutes. We're still introducing people. Uh, Johnny Paratrooper. <laughs> 
Hey, buddy! Oh, <laughs> Man, fuck. I'm, there I'm goes just another keeping, half hour. <laughs> I'm just keeping the. Uh, <laughs> just keep it, dude. This is it, it, dude. They've been looking for this guy for two days. So, like you've been saying, uh, he didn't have a cell phone on him. And so the police Ooh. have not been able. They've had no idea where kids. This guy there's was, some tactical right? wisdom Shocking. right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So basically, you know, if you don't have a cell phone on you in your pocket when someone, when the, when the authorities or you know the CCP or the Russians are looking for you, um, it's essentially like going out to like. You know, if you're looking for somebody in Baltimore and they don't have a cell phone in their pocket, you might as well just go to like Flagstaff, Arizona and do a man on the street interview and ask people where this guy is. Yeah. Because that would give you more information. Like a random guess is going to provide you more information than than anything else. The um, Obviously, they already checked all the friends and family and stuff um, that uh, anyway, he ended up uh, taking out a detective and stealing his car. And nice. uh, as you know, take a guess what's in every cop car in the country. The AR-15? Do I win a prize? Well, a, GP, a GPS device. Oh. So that, that was that was his unraveling. He could have kept going um, if he if he had a if he hadn't taken a a uh, government vehicle. But government mm-hmm. government vehicles have GPS in them now. Even the lowest of the low government uh, employee. Um, like if if you see a uh, like a Ford Fiesta driving down the street with government plates on it, it probably has a GPS in it. Um, in fact, I I know in Maryland it does. Um, the uh, but anyway, yeah, I'm doing good, man. I was um I was actually gonna let my eyes adjust to the uh, darkness and then test out the um, light gathering of my new 60 millimeter spotting scope, nice. but um. I'll have to do that another time. It's it's uh, overcast right now, so I wanted to see how it worked in ten uh, percent loom. Um, but the uh, I'll have to wait another day for that. But yeah, man, I'm excited. I uh, I also got a got a new loot drop, and um, I'm going to take it out and uh, play with it. We're going to set up a two hundred yard range at uh, my my. Uh, one of my friend's properties. Although I did suggest we set up a 150 um, meter range because, as we all know from basic training and boot camp, that uh, that 150 175 meter target that's a uh, that's a little tricky. The um, <laughs> um, the um, Marines have entered the chat. With iron sights, it is, and we laugh at you. <laughs> yeah, well, with the iron sights, it's a little tricky. Uh, the the modern optics um, deceive Bro, us. I'm old enough that I the, didn't use modern optics, my friend. Yeah, so you know what I'm saying. The well, we all call an ARP. So you, yeah. you know what? I'm, you're the first one I'm a stab. Oh, oh. oh man. <laughs> <laughs> my man just Oof. earned a bayonetting clearly i you know you know i'd be worried about patriot man getting stabbed by you but i mean you got to stop to take a piss every like 30 minutes you know so <laughs> you know i can't even get mad at that johnny because that is actually very accurate <laughs> bro sorry james getting me in the cut in. Bro. Mm. oh man that's funny that's all right funny. moving on now now that we've uh devolved into ad hominems um 
you know, it's, <laughs> uh, so GOP assassinations, the second assassination inside of seven days time has occurred in New Jersey. Um, this is an incredibly serious story today, uh, earlier today on podcast, uh, I touched on the Dwemfor story, which is, uh, I think deeply tragic. Um, and now we have another one. Uh, we have another one, Republican politician assassinated in New Jersey. Uh, New Jersey borough council person was tragically shot and killed this week marking the state's second deadly gun violence incident involving a local elected official in the past seven days. Russell Heller, 51, served as a council member for the Milford Township and was shot and killed in the parking lot of the PSENG Central Division Headquarters building in Somerset, where he had worked as a supervisor for 11 years. Uh, This article, which was published by TrendingPoliticsNews.com, goes on to say that he died at the scene um, and that they have identified, they being uh, law enforcement, identified 58-year-old Gary Curtis of Washington Township as a suspect of the deadly shooting. Curtis, a former employee at PSNG or PSENG, was found dead several hours after the incident from an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. Um, all right. There's a lot to chew on with this one. Um, I think that uh, just kind of starting from the top, the, it, it would be very easy to dismiss a story like this and just say, you know, man, they, there was probably like some some workplace stuff that was going on or something. They happen to work in the same place. Um, maybe I, I think that that's that is the easy button. I don't put it past them to smoke the second guy. I, I really oh, don't. Oh, don't yes. even get me started. Patriot, Patriot, man, you, I'm going to let you take it from there because that is literally what you pointed out to me earlier today when we were talking about this story. So, all right. So you got to remember, this is Jersey here, right? So the first shooting took place in Sayerville. The next one took place in Milford, right? And, and so what you have to understand about this, this kind of section in New Jersey is what you would consider kind of a, a swing part of it because a lot of people think of New Jersey as a very liberal, very blue state, which is true at the federal level. However, there's a reason why New Jersey and Virginia are the only two states that have their governor's elections, um, their statewide elections basically, on an off year from either the midterms or the governor's. Uh, midterms, sorry, midterms or presidential. It's because they don't want the issues at the national level to dictate how the vote goes at the state level. So that's number one. So we are more of a purple state than people think of. A lot of North Jersey who will vote for a Democrat over Republican for senator. They are a lot of them are are, are either African American Christians or the Hispanic Christians, and they will vote for. Um, local people who are who, who are conservative, and so you know you have like the two stalwarts of conservatism in New Jersey is Sussex and Ocean County, and Ocean County is uh, the largest. It's got over five hundred thousand people on it. 
Um, it is the one that when you see the vote being so close in a governor's race like it was in the Murphy race, um, it's because mostly of Ocean County. Um, but what they noticed in the last in the last governor's race was that some of these other counties, until a few of them magically flipped, were way closer than expected. Way, way closer than expected. And so this kind of inner belt, like if you're in Union County, if you're in uh, even parts of Essex, um, are, are kind of swing now, but parts of Essex, Union, um, you're, you're, you're going to find that they are blue and they're blue and they're 8713 blue, right? Of course, you counter that with Ocean County being 7525 conservative. Um, what you're finding is that a lot, the, these two killings, which are only 58 minutes apart, driving distance, um, literally taking 287 to 78, that, that's it. Um, they're in kind of the swing areas, right? So Sayreville is in the area of, um, you, you probably won't know these towns, but like Sayreville is close to New Brunswick, which is where Rutgers University is. Um, and it's not as, um, conservative as you think when you, once you get outside of the city limits, same thing with Milford, um, being a kind of, uh, west of that. It's not as conservative as you think. And, and so the first thing that came to my mind when I saw both of these and, the first one came in and, and, you know, it was obvious, you know, we talked about it last podcast, obvious, easy entry and egress, all that kind of stuff, hallmarks of assassination. This one is, um, you know, oh, it's workplace violence. It's someone who was wrong, the former employee. Um, but it's New Jersey. If anyone's ever watched The Sopranos, how many times did they have some guy do something and then they spoke the guy who did the thing? Um, that was the first thing that came to my mind. And so... To dismiss this as just, oh, it's workplace violence, um, that's the easy cover story for it. So it looks like it's unrelated. And then this guy, who obviously, my guess is, and this hasn't come out yet, my guess is going to say he didn't cover his face. The, 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 guy, the, the councilman who was shot was in his car, in the parking lot apparently, of the PSE&G uh, uh, business, and was shot, and then the dude just went home, which means he probably drove his own vehicle, which means they have a license plate. And then he just kind of clocks off. I mean, to me, it's like, hey, I'm going to give you money to solve all your problems. Go do this. Come back here. I'll give you the money. Oh, that's great. You know what? Do me a favor. Um, we don't want you to get caught with that gun. That way you have plausible deniability. Can you give it to me for a second? Oh, you gave it to me? Oh, thank you. You know, now you've just, we wrote a suicide note for you. You're welcome. Boom. Done. So, as someone who is very experienced with New Jersey, uh, I don't I don't buy the cover story for a second. N not even a little bit. I mean, it's too close. That when you look at where they are politically, it's going to make people. I mean, we had a rising star in in um, Dwumfor. She was a rising star. I mean, how can you argue against her her story? Uh, Ghana immigrant came over here. Now she's GOP. She's rising up in the ranks a little bit. Might make a run for a district seat or a state senate seat. To me, it is it screams. Oh, you know, this is New Jersey. This is how we do this, and we're giving you free reign to be able to execute what you need to execute. And so it's going to put a chilling effect on people who are willing to run for these offices. Now, I, they're probably going to cool off after this one. If a third one happens in the next six months, to me, that's the biggest tell. But this is very clearly an intimidation tactic because they saw the numbers from 2021 and they were downright scared by it. There were counties that, uh, counties and, and districts that flipped. 
and, and they're scared. And so I think this drives into not only the fear factor of you don't want to run for this if you're a rising star. It keeps control. And they are trying to push gun control here like a motherfucker. Boom. Oh, my God. GOP. Your people are getting murdered. Don't you want gun control now? Those are the two angles they're going at. And so I will end with that and say, you know, what do you all think about that? There's there's one thing that I want to add, too, is that they were so quick when when I say they, you know, law enforcement, whatever the investigative body was so quick to know who did it. Right. They're so quick to know. Now, they haven't identified a suspect in in the Duom former. No, to my knowledge. I want to be specific about that. They have not. uh, As far as I know, the FBI got involved. So, you know, we should have some confidence. Yeah, but the 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 one in this most recent one, they they knew immediately, right? They they know who did it. All right, so that's not hard to believe. But when they say, "Oh, and he went and shot himself afterward," that's ah, a little sus to me. And um, not that not that it can't happen, right? I'm, I'm not saying that. Not that it can't happen, but that's that's a little convenient. Um, that definitely dovetails with with uh, you know the, the the overall idea, um, the the theory here smells a little little fishy. And uh, you know the final thing that I'll say is is that you know talking about what I just talked about, you know prosecutors prosecutors live and die. This is kind of known in, in law circles. Prosecutors live and die based on the clearance rate, and investigators. Right. The role of investigators within a police department or a sheriff's department, the law enforcement agency of that municipality, they work very, very closely with the prosecutor's office and the assistant district attorneys to formulate that evidence. There's there's constant like the the. Uh, prosecutor's office has its own special investigator as well that goes through and makes sure that the evidence was collected properly, right? They, they have a very formal procedure that they're going through because all this stuff has to be admissible in court. And that way, if, if they have that, that stable procedure inside of the courtroom uh, work group, when a uh, defense attorney is in there, they, there's usually very rarely a question of uh, misconduct on part of the investigators, right? Uh, very rarely. And and the only time that you do hear about these types of things is when a uh, high profile criminal defense attorney will come in for a case when they're hired. And, and two very good examples of this is uh, the OJ Simpson trial. With uh, F. Lee Bailey coming in, um, you know, uh, Shapiro coming in um, and, uh, you know, his his whole team that was assembled of a list, very high profile uh, uh, defense attorneys. And this this is what they always do. Uh, Criminal offense, uh, criminal defense attorneys will always. Uh, when, when they are high profile and they're well paid to do this, they're always going to introduce doubt about investigatorial misconduct and the procedure in which the evidence was collected. The other example that I'll, I'll submit to you, and everybody's going to know this one too, is the Duke Lacrosse case. Um, the Duke Lacrosse case, a lot of the evidence that was uh, collected was hideously mishandled. 
um, by the Durham Police Department, uh, Durham City Police Department. And, you know, all of that, the, the, the media circus and everything else that occurred was kind of a sideshow to the very uh, serious things that were actually occurring. And that, that's why Mike Nifong, who's the prosecutor, ended up getting disbarred. Um, it, it's it, there's, there's a long story with all that, and I'm not going to nerd out about legal stuff. But uh, what I will say is, is that um, these prosecutors, or uh, rather, I'm, I'm getting lost in my words, these investigators are under a lot of pressure to resolve the case so that they can say, oh, you know, nothing further. And they get out in front of the cameras, the, uh, you know, whoever the public affairs guy is in the DA's office gets out there and says, you know, hey, our, our investigators did did the best that they could. And, you know, this is what they determined. And, um, you know, there's there's no longer a threat to the public. And, you know, they're they're, um, they're, they're giving their their most serious countenance in front of the camera. Uh, when the reality is behind the scenes is that they're really just whitewashing this um, and and they're under pressure for that clearance rate to say, you know, hey, you know, case closed. We solved it. We're moving on. And, you know, they're not going to investigate it any further. So that, that dovetails perfectly to what you were talking about. Um, and, you know, this this isn't strictly like a. a um, <sighs> I don't necessarily want to call it corruption. Uh, I, I mean, it is, but you know, on one hand, I don't necessarily want to call it corruption. It is, it's certainly a miscarriage of justice, and it happens a lot more than you think. Yeah, um, That's why if you know who your district attorney yes. is, and this is something that's never, ever brought up anywhere else, but you can say that you heard all this on Radio Contra, you, you really need to be paying attention to who the prosecutor is in your jurisdiction. Uh, anyway, passing the torch, gentlemen. Other reactions? I was on the wrong page. I had to find it. No, I, I think you're right. I, I think there is more to it than, uh, than the disgruntled worker thing. That's just an easy excuse um, there's there's bigger games at play, and uh, they're they're not willing to lose another seat anywhere. And this is just a new normal. We we are a South American uh, banana republic. We just have to acknowledge that. Yes, very much agreed. I um, I think this was already discussed, but. You know, I think we can all agree that the the guy they found uh, with the, quote, self-inflicted gun wound. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, you know, when you hire a hitman, you, you get rid of the hitman when you're done with him. You, know, you don't pay him, you know, like you shoot him in the head. You no, know, I learned that watching um, the movie Shooter, right? Would have been a dumb job to take. You, you remember, yeah, remember that scene yeah. where he says, "Yeah, still got the shovel." Yeah, there you yeah, go. or even the yeah, the or uh, parted when everything gets cleaned up. Yep. Yeah, or um, four brothers. You know, I hired. I wanted out of town shooters. Yep. <laughs> like, um, it, it, but the um, so I actually, it, you know, it's it's 
it's, you know, uh, worst case scenario, communists are assassinating politicians in the U.S. Very probable. It fits into the um, uh, unconventional warfare matrix, the pyramid. What's that called again? Mm -hmm. The resistance pyramid. The resistance pyramid. Yes. And so you've been saying that was resistance pyramid. You, you'll see it. If yeah. You just look that up. So, um, you know, Scout, you've been saying like, this is this is the next step. And, and you know, one of the things that we originally connected on was, uh, you know, people in the comments just jumping phases and skipping over, um, you know, the, the pieces of the puzzle. And it 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 builds up. It's it's like uh, it's like telling a story. You know, there's a first act, there's a second act and there's a third act. And yeah. um, and yeah. and that's really how it is. It you know you don't just like wake up in the m one morning and Stalin's in charge and he you know murdered seven million people in in Ukraine. Like that's that's not how it, it doesn't skip a step. It takes decades to build up to this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. You know, it, it took it took uh, a couple hundred years of oppression in Latin America by the Spanish government and their viceroys, and then later um the uh the independent countries that later uh took over you know it took hundreds of years before the marxists well marxism had been around for hundreds of years but it did take a long time before they really got their shit together right. and decided to start uh fighting back uh down in down in latin america and and you know africa's no different um asia's no different and we are no different and and it, that's how it's going to go. And, you know, it, it's probably going to be more like 10 years from now when things get really, really bad, um, which is unfortunate because we're going to be a lot of the guys that are 50 and 60 now are going to be um, pretty fragile then. And we need those guys. But Man, I, I don't know if we have that long. I really don't think that that we have uh, until conflict in America erupts it, like so these these two um th these two examples of assassination domestic assassination uh pol of, of politicians here in america like the the left can squabble all they want over uh you know they can squawk and and you know oh, paul pelosi paul, paul pelosi was doing some weird shit in his house that got out of hand like whatever all right, man, this is this dude. He, we don't know what he's into, but it damn sure wasn't um, some dude in his underwear with a hammer trying to murder him. Like that ain't what was going on there. I mean, come on, you know, like you come up with a better story than bad that. things happen on grinder, bro. <sighs> Maybe so. Yeah, that was, <laughs> I'm just saying like, it, probably they, correct. They can scream and shout and, and, you know, squawk about it all they want. But the left is the ones that's out there burning down people's businesses, burning down their livelihoods, showing up to, you know, middle class neighborhoods saying, you know, they're going to burn them down. Right. The left was the ones that were just rioting in Atlanta. This was the left. This wasn't the right wing that was doing that. This is the left. And everybody sees it. Like, it, like the American people see this they see the shit 
right? But the, the important thing is, and, and a lot of people are listening to this podcast because of that. Like, I, I get it, right? But the the takeaway there is that they're they're working their way up the pyramid. Conservatives are not going to do that. And I'm not saying that like, a, you know, oh, you should be out there kind of protesting them. Nah, actually, no, no, no. So there's a reason that we are what we are. There's a reason that conservatives are what they are, because we're in a uh, sociological model. We are structural functionalists because the the whatever the the stability factor is of, of society works for us and we're in tune with society's goals and so you know we don't we don't have a need to get out there and smash stuff up that's counterproductive right so that's why with with counter revolutions you have to understand that counter revolutions follow their own phases which is different from the insurgency pyramid and the insurgency pyramid is what the left is following and you have to be ready for when that slides into overt warfare. We're right there. We're right at the line. Like we're, we're beginning to see the early things. And so that kind of that kind of dovetails in with uh, a, a significant number of other actions that have occurred and developments that, that we're seeing because it's painting a broader picture. The wheels of, of control are beginning to come off the wagon because this is the way that uh, it's very hard for conservatives and, and uh, right-leaning libertarians to understand that the U.S. government is kind of its own entity in this. They're, they're kind of the, the third party, and they, they've made their golems, right? They, they have their little, their little uh, Frankenstein monsters that they put out there that they can control from the top down. And that's what I was talking about earlier today. I've talked about extensively in the past. The problem is, is that you have all these international brigade people that they have utilized because they're, they're cannon fodder. They don't give a shit about them. Nobody's going to pay their spouses SG alive. They get, you know, capped doing something dumb in, in, in Ukraine or Syria before that or wherever else. They don't give a shit, but they don't care. They're like, all right, whatever. You were there. You were a volunteer, whatever. But when they're coming back through, they're going to get repurposed for something. And, and they're keeping tabs on who these people are. They've been very adept at doing this over the years. And when those people come back, they're going to say, hey, you know, th this is what you're going to do for us or else this is what you're going to do. Right. The problem is, is that there comes a point where you have so many of these people, you can't control them. And that's that's on the left. That's a very dangerous thing. It's a very dangerous space to exist within because they, they're going to get out there. They're going to get violent. And and the thing is, is that um they're going to begin to dovetail with the objectives of our enemies who are taking full advantage of our open border, our non-existent border to our south, and are looking to cause problems domestically here in the United States and are already doing so. They're already doing so. They don't give a shit what the, the ideology is that is creating the chaos so long as the chaos is being created. And that is something that is impossible for a lot of people to understand because they don't get it. They don't get it. And I, I fear that a lot of people are going to wake up when it's too late, that they're going to say, oh, shit, how did we get here? 
you know, how, how in the world, right? Cause th the reality is, is that a lot of folks on the right, especially older folks on the right want to find somebody to blame, right? They want to find something to blame. And it's because they've been conditioned to do so. We had a war on drugs, right? We had a war on poverty. We had a war on drugs. We had a war on terrorism. We had a war on crime. We had a, and it's always framed that way to create a dichotomy. You're either with an idea or you're against an idea. If you're if you're not for the war on drugs, you must be a druggie. You must be a If you are not for Ukraine, you must be for Russia. Yeah. Boom. If you're not if you here, here's one for everybody. If you if you don't stand with America, you stand with terrorists. Right? Like that's that's and and, and now and, you know, you fast forward 20 years and they're calling everybody on the right terrorists, right? That's, that's, that's the way that it works. You don't <laughs> have an actual definition of the label. You just label any anything, you know, anybody, anything that you deem not worthy uh, as that label. And that's exactly what they're doing. You know, that's... And Kevin McCarthy, by the way, was very happy existing within that mental framework. Uh, so anybody that's, that's changing their opinion on him, oh, Kevin McCarthy, well, he's not as bad as, yeah, yeah, right. He's he's just making good to the Freedom Caucus for right now. Make no mistake, that dude is a snake, uh, an absolute snake. Anyway, uh, shift gears a little bit to the Nord Stream admission. Uh, and I know that there'll probably be a couple of people who are going to say that well, wasn't an admission because Hirsch's piece in the Substack wasn't officially all these mental loops. Like, look, that dude has some specific details. Let me tell that. you how I know it's true. They came yeah. out attacking Hirsch like nothing yesterday. Mm -hmm. That's how you know. And the knives came out for that dude immediately, immediately. It's like, ooh, ooh there's something to this one. Um, but yeah, the Nord Stream, the, the Nord Stream piece, it, and my comment on that was, and in other news, water is wet, right? You know, like, okay, you're telling us some shit we already knew. Like, we already know this. It's but, but, but the point is, is that. When such things are being admitted, you have to realize a couple things. Number one, the executive branch has been waging a war without the consent of the American people. That's kind of sort of a problem. Okay. For all you constitutional conservatives out there, that's a pretty big problem. Okay. For all the the, the anti-war left out there that were so so uh, very uh, dignified and telling us that the the, the war these this wars these illegal wars that they're waging the George W. Bush is waging out there well this is just uh, this is illegal wars. Mm -hmm. Can you argue that we're not waging a war in Ukraine right now against the Russians? We are. Because I'm going to tell you something. China and Russia, 
they they are making motions to call it what it is. So buckle up, Buttercup. What's y'all's thoughts, gents? Yeah, I mean, you know, but well, not just us, but um, it's uh, France, the UK, Germany. You know what's interesting about sending the tanks? If you type in uh, French new Fr- uh, France's new main battle tank, they're getting new tanks in 2024. If you type in UK getting a new main battle tank, they're getting a new tank. If you type in USA getting a new main battle tank, they're getting a new battle tank. If you type in um, Germany getting a new main battle tank into Google, it pops up dozens of articles. They're all we're we're all getting new main battle tanks. And can you design a main battle tank until you know how it's how the last one performed? Uh, you know, it's it's like a live field. Yeah, test I've been saying that for a while. It's like a battle lab, right? We can test all of our new crap over here in this place where it doesn't matter to us. Yeah, at Aberdeen Proving Ground. It's like Ukraine is being used as a giant real-world Aberdeen Proving Ground. Which is why they don't want to actually address that this is a war we're fighting, except for the people over there. But we can pretend we're not in a real war, even though what even is a real war? War Is it tanks? Is it fighter jets? Is it people dying? Is it guns going off? I don't know. I, Seems like I, we're legit in the real world i think if i can say the word tonight holy shit i think they're gonna get the f-16 next and i'm i'm working i'm still researching it but i'm working on an article for the f-16 um but i'll give you guys a sneak preview uh so something that's interesting about the f-16 is there's a lot of them and it's been around for a while so the f-16 is kind of like that it you know uh like i mean you there's so many f-16 qualified pilots you can almost walk into a bar and be like are you an f-16 pilot and somebody might be like yeah i'm the best f-16 pilot in the galaxy um and (laughs) that's a star wars joke the uh but it is possible and um it's been around for a while there's almost four and a half thousand of them so when i asked uh, on the last podcast, you know, why the where the fuck are my 10,000 F-16s? That's not a tall order. It, it you know, that is entirely possible. And there's actually a new F-16 coming out, Ox 772 series, and it's going to be really badass. And, um, and, uh, the cool thing about that, you know, you, you might think, well, that's a really old airframe. Why would they make one? Well, because they already have all the logistics in place in all these other countries. Why invest in a whole new system and and train all your guys when you just buy another F-16? And it's it's going to be, you know, faster, better, smoother, more efficient, um, better material sciences. So so the airframe will last longer. They're 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 putting them on the books. Uh, this new F-16 uh, Block seventy seventy two is the airframe is going to be rated. To, for hours to survive uh, survive till 2080 or 2090. I mean, that is, <laughs> I mean, that's like a hundred year service life. So, um, or, or it is actually, it is a hundred year service life. Um, 
And then another thing that I'm still doing some research on the dudes, you're not going to believe this. Take a guess where the refit repair and readiness headquarters is for the F-16. Take a wild guess. I'll give you guys a couple seconds. Um, of course, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Fucking Missouri. It's in Taiwan, bro. So if China invades uh, Taiwan, there are a lot of countries that will need to answer the call to defend Taiwan or else they will be cut off from refit and resupply and re and and rearmament essentially and repairs from an f-16 and i'm not talking about the bombs and the bullets for the f-16 we've got plenty of those i'm talking about the little component that makes the radar work i'm talking about the little you know uh wiring harness pack that makes the the uh flight controls work um, you know, I'm talking about, uh, you know, all the sensors and modules and, and, and all that stuff. And if there's anything you know, I've gained recently, as far as like what I think is going to happen, this whole balloon bullshit, I really get the vibe that they're, they're going to attack mainland United States, even if it's an electronic attack, if they're going for Taiwan, because they've already, if they go that far, they know we're going to respond. They might as well try to go bigger and harder in the paint in order to shut us down or get the edge in that fight. You're probably right because at that point, right, the U.S. Navy is going to be like, do we go defend Taiwan or do we sit in the harbor and help the people who have been EMP on the West Coast? Can't respond to something if nobody knows what's going on. Yep. And, you know, I, that's not something I had yeah. thought of before. The idea that they would be like, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to fuck this area in particular, which, all right, I apologize to conservatives in California. Sorry. Probably help us a little bit. But the f idea that they're going to do that and the navies, all the ports up there, they got to stay put. They can't leave. And then Sean is like, all right, thank you. Appreciate it. And just take them. Well, that is something I've never thought of. There's so many possibilities, right? It's just I wouldn't. I wasn't thinking on that level before this. But you know, when you got the balls to send these balloons clear across our country, whether or not it's because you know you've got our people in your pocket and they're not going to do anything, or you just want to see what they'll do, that says enough, right? It says you don't give a shit, and you're you're playing for keeps. No matter what that is and, and when that happens, you know, I we as I've alluded to and others have, I expect probing attacks. I expect them to do this and do dry runs. Why wouldn't they? When the stakes are this serious, you want to get things right. You do a dry run, like send a balloon over some of your targets, see if anybody notices. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Maybe even, I don't know, attack their power grid and burn down all the chicken plants and stuff like that just to see what's going to happen. I don't know. Just yeah what you know what's really disturbing about china is they could send five hundred thousand soldiers to a hundred countries and they wouldn't even notice they, their their country wouldn't skip a beat they they would they it, 
wouldn't they it wouldn't matter to them demographically they i, I would know, challenge that they probably it would be a have, good thing for them they probably have that many inside this country already yeah Euro immigration think, is is one of her biggest exports right from china um yeah. that's the kind of the that's kind of the quiet thing people don't say when we think illegal immigration we're always thinking of south americans or central americans but there's a lot of chinese that come in through seattle uh through mexicali and come through a few other places um they, they could have they could have you know entire division two divisions in here already so china surpassed uh China surpassed Mexico sending immigrants to the U.S. in 2018 under the Trump administration. Thanks, Trump. And uh, let's see what else is going on. China. China. You know, Trump's sanctions against China are interesting because they did things like uh, ban the importation of Chinese-made LEDs. But... Then all the lobbyists, you know, paid off Congress to write a law in there to ch tweak it a little bit and be like, no, 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 they can. So basically, Trump just handed them, you know, the mandated that the corporations have to pay off Congress now. Well, it's the same way and, with, and, with the Russian oil and Venezuelan oil, right? If you sign up for the Office of Foreign Assets Control alerts, that's all of our sanctions. You'll see that literally every single day we issue ourselves exemptions to buy Russian oil or Venezuelan oil all yeah. day long, every day. Sanctions yep. mean literally nothing. Yeah, and um, you know, somebody else mentioned in the in down below that uh, this is the 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 plot to, to Mongol Moon by Mark Sibley. Seriously, if you haven't read the book. The book is it, it, it begins the with the threat book. of illegal immigration. Yes, yeah, buy the fucking book. book. I need to get him. All and the then, time. yes, you do. And also, once you buy the book, create a Twitter account and then harass him on Twitter for not making a sequel yet. Look, I even took him out into the mountains uh, of the into, into the Blue Ridge Mountains and cuddled with him all night. He still didn't finish. Yeah, I was going to say you me. cuddled. <laughs> my God, I would have given you like my second-born child. Like fuck. In my defense, Braxton McCoy was there too, but that made it. Oh, he would have gotten my firstborn child. You would have gotten my second. All right, fair enough. Got him. Never ever send send uh, the redheaded cowboy to get beer. I'm just saying, don't do it. Hey, hey, I, I, I know we're, we're. Hey, man. In his defense, he doesn't have Yingling where he he lives. Yeah, that's but true. That's true. It's like where where he's at. They got PBR. Which, hey, I'm going to say, man, PBR is a different animal where you are for sure. Because, I mean, you got firsthand knowledge of, of PAPS and, and, like, all that. Hey, I actually used to work yeah. for Stroh's, uh, the Stroh's company as a bodyguard Stroh's, for yeah. Mr. Stroh's. So. Dude, it, it's, yeah, I remember you telling me that story. We were sipping a little whiskey around a campfire. And, sipping uh, a little whiskey. And, you know. Paps, a lot more sipping of that this weekend. Well, not for you guys. You guys are students. So, for the instructors, a little bit more. Uh, Scout, if you don't, if you don't mind, what I want to chime in real quick because I'm curious. I know we got like only like seven or eight minutes left. Yeah. It, all right. So think about the next sixty days, right? We know what's going on in the world. We're pretty informed. Next sixty days, I would like to hear what everyone else is doing in those next sixty days to increase their readiness status. If that's okay with you, Scout. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I think. All right, so I'll, I'll call it out. JP, yeah, next 60 days, what are you doing? 
If I'm sorry, say it again. I got 16 days. What am I going to do? You got 60 days. In the next 60 days, 16. what are you doing to increase your preparedness status? Uh, um, let's see. I'd probably try to get. I would drop. I'd probably drop four or five grand on wheat. Uh, and 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 cornmeal and well, the corn will go sour. Wheat. I'd buy whole wheat berries. Yeah. Um, and I would probably get rice. Whole wheat berries, rice, and and beans for that complete protein, mm-hmm. and I would I would stock up on um on spices, salt, pepper. That's what I would that, do. By the way, I would agree with you one hundred percent. Risky. All right, yeah. The next sixty days. Now we're not assuming the world ends in sixty days, but in sixty days, what are your plans? Like, uh, am I changing them or just what am I doing? No, what are you doing? Like, like, like you have your plan, right? We all have your plan of preparedness. What do you have scheduled as to, hey, I'm going to do this. Doesn't have to be buying stuff. It, it could be a re-zeroing weapons. It could be checking this, checking that. Just the next 60 days, when it comes to being prepared, what is your plan? So in addition to maintaining stuff so like uh weapons maintenance rotating food things like that which honestly the rotating food i should probably get a little bit better at that um i've got some night vision coming in so in the next 60 days i've actually got three pairs of nods coming in and some uh lasers and all that good stuff so i will be zeroing that and i'm going to be out getting good in the woods with these new pieces of equipment and uh, I might try to get some of my friends, you know, broken in, if you will, who don't have nods, get them some time under them. Good stuff. Yeah, Good absolutely. Stuff. Yeah, because, uh, you know, a lot of the times you might be passing off equipment to people who have never done it before. So, well, that's so like, um, I'm getting nods in for for YouTube stuff, but they're going to be mine, and like I can only wear just like a rifle, right? I can only have one on me, so it doesn't really do me good to hoard them or anything. If I can take some buddies out, we can get have some fun, you know, get out there. Um, just like with the the comp stuff I've been on here lately, I try to have a radio with every kit setup that i have so like i've got this chest rig it's got a radio and a push to talk and a headset all of its own so i can take that and i can give that to somebody along with a rifle along with some camo and a bag and be like here motherfucker go do whatever you need to so right now i've probably got a team worth of gear like from head to toe everything you could possibly need um and now let's just you know get some of these people in the field and working, getting that blood pumping. Oh yeah, that's good stuff. Patriot man, yeah, what you got going on. Yeah, the reason I brought this topic up was because I think that for for the next couple of weeks, I think I, I honestly for the next two weeks, the number one thing is. 
look at what your family consumes. And I mean that in two ways. One, look at what your finances are. So, you know, you get your electric bill and, you know, it's early on in January and you're like, oh, it was Christmas lights and all that stuff. I would look at that first and monitor that and say, is there any way we can save space? Like save money. The second thing would be, and this is an area that I am admittedly weak at that I'm fixing currently, is food, right? I have all the cool guy gear. I got it all. I can fight and do all that shit. But like, do I have enough fats for six months? Do I have enough carbs for six months? What about protein? Like, oh, I have protein in the chest freezer. What happens if the power goes out? Okay, cool. I go to the generator. Do I have enough fuel for the generator? If not, do I have enough food that is stored as dehydrated? So I think, honestly, with given what's going on, I, you know, you read every day about prices going up, prices going down. Check your food supply and check your water supply. And I'll give you a hint. One of the cheapest ways to get easy water, try to subscribe to one of those, oh, I have a water filter or whatever the thing is in my house. You get those big jugs delivered. You can go to Home Depot, buy them. Just get them, stock them. And so I would say focus on food and water because at the end of the day, you guns and ammo are great. And if you have something that's good, but it, you, you can't eat ammo. So focus on that. 100%. Joe Dolio, Tactical Wisdom. Real quick, we've got uh, just over 30 seconds on the clock. 60 days. What is your goal? Uh, I'm going to go a different route than everybody else. Uh, spend more time outdoors overnight. Yes. I'm just saying, we, we, we all need to harden up our, our, our living out there. And I've done some winter camping this year. I've done a lot more camping this year than I've done in a long time. Uh, yeah, it's mostly about- research, but it's a good thing to do, man. Backyard, backyard. Yeah. Test some shit. Tarp, yeah. sleeping bag, test it. At Joe, man, that is beautiful. Yeah, man. Get that dirt time. Get that dirt time in. Uh, for myself, you know, continuing on track, uh, the food production thing is is a big one, getting that dirt time for sure. Um, you know, adding in a couple of greenhouses, a couple of small uh, self-powered greenhouses. And uh, one of the things that I'm going to be doing, working towards, is installing large capacity fuel tanks. Um, and uh, that way I've got some residual fuel supply along with, uh, cause it, you know, everybody knows I post up pictures of, uh, the, uh, the K five cuck V that I have the 6.2 diesel. Um, I'm going to be working towards stocking up on components that I need to make biodiesel for that. I'm going to be working hard in that direction. Um, you know, but I've got a lot on the plate. Of course, I am also working on book number two, which, uh, you know, really, uh, really that's taken the forefront. Um, you know, not going to lie, not going to lie. But with that said, folks, last call for alcohol, the green dragon tavern is officially closed for business this evening. We of course will be back on the air next Thursday and, and tomorrow, tomorrow night, we're going to have a very special episode 
for everybody out there. And uh, Tactical Wisdom, Mr. Joe Dolio will be there along with a very special guest that all of you know and love from the Privy Council and the Council on Future Conflict. I'm really looking forward to this episode because we're going to have a heck of a lot of fun. It's the first uh, I've heard anyway. of it. So, yes, let's do it. Yes. That's <laughs> not the first you've heard of it. We talked about this already. You were just oh. drunk, sir. Oh, uh, you that, that's drunk. entirely possible. <laughs> Highly likely. But with that said, folks, keep your head on a swivel. Keep yourself mentally in the game. Get out there, train, get that dirt time, do something good. And always keep in mind that we do what we do out of love for country and love for our fellow man. God bless. Good night. And we'll talk to you again very, very soon. This is NC Scout. Out. Oh